Am I living in fancy homes, fancy cars? Am I always looking to look important to people around me? We were at a restaurant and I saw the guy walk in and it turns out he was a very wealthy man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I recognized him because he had just had on jeans and a, he had a plaid button up shirt, but you would never know that this guy was as wealthy as he was because he just didn't look it. Modesty is like the opposite of humility right. because you show off what you have, what you own, what you, what you are. So what does modest mean? I'm Chuck Tate, and here at Fellowship of Believers, we encourage families, strengthen marriages, and edify the body of Christ. I'm Larry Grimm. We also promote biblical doctrine in a fun and engaging way. And I'm Sarah, and if it's Christian, we're talking about it. This is the Mike Charleston Show. All right, guys. <laughs> Welcome to the Mike Charleston Show. And uh, Joshua is trying to do this live stream, and I think there's like two people watching. Maybe, <laughs> maybe three or four. Anyways, we got a good show. Uh, lined up for you, and uh, maybe a little bit a controversial one. Yeah. And uh, but before we start, I wanted to make sure I wanted to get this out of the way uh, because I I'm not very good at promotion, as you guys know. And um, but uh, someone asked me this week about you know the Fellowship of Believers podcast network that we have yeah. not promoted, uh, and yeah. there is still the Jared Dodd Show or or whatever it's called. Uh, I don't even know what it's called. It's, it's Jared You're not Dodd. good at promotions. Well, that reminds me. Maybe um, we'll have an announcement maybe next week. Okay. Next and week, then there's so. um, the the the, road, the journey to Ukraine, the yeah. missionaries there. I can't even think of their names. Steels. Steels. Yeah. And then, of course, Andrew and Jeremiah's show is pretty much kaput at this right. point. Andrew yeah. had to go off and get married. Maybe I'm foreshadowing something. <laughs> yes. So, wow. Okay. So, Isaac's watching on Facebook. So, anyway, <laughs> but also our camp is coming up, and we're really bad at yeah. promoting this, but uh, the formerly the Shin dig is now the Leilon family camp is coming up in at the end of September and so everybody that is interested and wants more information you can go to mississippishindig.com and you can join us uh, we're still putting together some of the details but uh, go and check it out and uh, uh, it's always a good time this is our seventh year to do this I think so. Seventh year. Yeah, seventh year. So anyways. I like the uh, artwork you put out last week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is that Which one? The, is that on the site? Yeah. Well, uh, actually not on the site. I need to do that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we need to do that. All right. That little details nice. uh, on air. All right. <laughs> but I, I put it out there to see if people could vote which one they liked. And I oh, think... Oh, I only saw one. So I don't did you really? Yeah, I just saw one. That um, makes voting easy. It does. <laughs> I'll go for that one. No wonder everyone likes the one I chose. <laughs> so. All right. Well, we got an interesting show. We are going to be talking about modesty. Now, that is a big buzzword these days, especially around in our circles. And but it's probably not what you're thinking. And I actually got in a discussion with this a friend with a friend of mine. We went and visited him, and uh, we kind of got worked up that like I do. And <laughs> I basically out talked him, and he was getting tired. Wow. So wow. the um, warm down, he but uh, he understood my point, but he was still pushing his point, and uh, maybe we'll get into that a little bit. But modesty is a very, very big issue in America, and I think personally, it is a much bigger issue than what people think. It was for me. I once we started, I started researching some of this, right? Told, but I think I'll say this: it still fit my premise of what I thought modesty was. Okay, sure, right, yeah. Because I always thought it dealt with dress. Right. But I've always said it was one of those things you can't... Um, Quantify? 
codify. Yeah, codify. Because once you do, then you start making, you get into the realm of legalism. Right. So modesty is more of an issue of the heart. Right. That's than, what everyone will say. We, we've listened to right. a number of messages and everyone says that basically. Right. And no one wants to hear that. But maybe you want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, uh, it is a matter of the heart, and we're going to get into that a little bit and right. how we can define some of those things and, and, and help people out with these. Because this is a, a hot button topic. Right. Right. Because so no say, one wants to be told that you can't wear certain things, right? Right. right. So, I mean, you say this, you know, when we talk about it, we talk about modesty. That's the default is, you know, what should be allowed or not be allowed to wear. Um, what's not enough i guess there's yeah you know, i guess you can over i guess you can't have too much more right. specifically relating to women yes right. yes. this is all that's about true. right yeah. yeah it's all about women but um but that's not exactly what we're talking about today right no not no. not exactly i mean it's a part of it there's no doubt about it and in 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 the context of american culture when you say especially in christianity when you say modesty, that's what we're thinking. And so right. we're going to cover that, obviously, a little bit. But I think it goes way deeper, and uh, it's not just a woman's issue. And no. in fact, as, as you get into it, hopefully you will agree with us. Uh, Larry and I talked about this last night. He, he wanted a little bit of heads up, you yeah. know, because we hadn't <laughs> talked too much because he was out of town. Right. Yeah. And uh, he was, I don't know if I want to put words in your mouth, but you were kind of shocked at kind of my view on it and you're, it was interesting to you. Right, because it just expanded my whole definition of what I thought modesty it blew was. Your mind. It did. Oh. Like, <laughs> wow. He has a way of doing that. <laughs> yes. Well, let's jump in. The word modest only appears one time uh, in one the time. King James Bible. So let's go ahead and read 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 10. Mm-hmm. It says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costumes array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Yep, that's the verse. Yep, so if we're going to base our understanding of what the definition of modest is on Scripture, what's modest mean? That's that. That's it, right? Okay, that's what we want to know. Right. Now, before we really define that, you know, we, we want to go to the dictionary. And I know we don't want to, you know, because it's only in the Bible one time. Right. And it's talking about apparel. It's not even talking about just women wear uh, modest apparel. So what does modest mean? And so we've all made up our own definitions at this point. And so the dictionary, now Sarah, like I asked her why she did it like this. And she's like, she wanted to see all these things. I'm like, she copied and pasted a picture. So maybe you can read the dictionary definition. <laughs> As Larry added the 1828 version, we'll talk about that right. in just a yeah. second. But uh, why don't you go ahead? This is the, uh, from, well, I don't know, dictionary.com. It's the quality or state of being unassuming or moderate in the estimation of one's abilities. An example was with typical modesty, he insisted on sharing the credit with others. So, you know, we understand that. So to get a better understanding of what modesty means, it, you, you got to pull from two other words, in my opinion, and that is humility and um, what's the other word? Uh, temperance. Temperance, temperance. temperance, right, yeah. self-control. Temperance, yeah. self-control, and humility. When you bring those into the picture, you get a well-rounded picture of what modesty is. Because I think it go back to the verse, when it talks about the verse, it is... Uh, it, it's about modest apparel. And when you know their culture, the men and women, their their outfits weren't like super different. You, you know, like right. the, the, everyone wore like a, a long flowing 
a robe type thing. I don't know what you want to call it. What, tunic a dress. Type. Yeah, a tunic, whatever. Tunic. But there was a difference between men and women's right. clothing, but it wasn't so obvious. It wasn't like the girls yeah. wore dresses and the guys wore pants. They didn't do that. Right. So the, the modest here in this verse is obviously talking about the cost the the expensiveness of it and with the following verses it obviously is referring to that um so the it's more of the attitude and the expense and why am i doing this is to show off which which fits in today's vernacular of of um modesty because in in a woman or a guy we want to show off our bodies and so that's why we take off our clothes, you know. Not too many guys are out there with a big old gut that wants to show off. They want to show off their muscles. And the same thing with a lady. Uh, and, they want to show off their muscles? No, they want to show oh, okay. off what they got, their curves. Yeah. <laughs> unless you go camping with Chuck and... Um, no, okay, okay. let's not go there. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> or, not a good... Just try going to some of the beaches. Well, that's what I was like. Some of them should have. Oh, it was terrible. But anyway, so if you add self-control or temperance and humility into it, you get a a way better picture of of modesty. I don't know if we want to read the the 1828 definition. It's a long, long definition. Um, Well, some of the words, though, on this definition, like it has similar words, and humility is one of them. Also, moderation, smallness, and simplicity are also similar. I like there's this one. It says, um, I don't have my glasses, but here. Okay, go ahead. No, I got it. Modesty as an act or series of acts consistent in humble, unobtrusive deportment as opposed to extreme boldness, forwardness, arrogance, presumption, audacity, or imprudence. Impudence. Impudence, sorry. Yeah. Oh my God. I thought there was an R in there. But. Well, the first part, the first one, um, I like how it starts out, you know, where go ahead and read that since I don't have my glasses on either. That lowly temper which accompanies a moderate estimate of one's own worth and importance. This temper, when natural, springs in some some measure from timidity and in young and inexperienced persons is allied to bashfulness and diffidence. Yeah, interesting. So these are big words and, uh, you know, these are not things that we necessarily think of. And so... My point with this was that modesty in some ways is defined by the culture in yeah. some ways. Now, when it goes against scripture, we go with scripture, obviously, and no matter what subject we're talking about. But in some ways, modesty is still defined by the culture. So when we're talking about uh, in context of what modest is in the dictionary, we don't want to promote ourselves. We don't want to live in fine, fancy houses with, with fine, fancy clothes, but that is relative to your culture in some ways, just a little yeah. bit, because mm-hmm. th- there's people in Africa that live in grass huts, so should we live in grass huts to right. be modest? It, no. Right. No, right. We, we still live in our culture, and what is modest and moderate for, for our culture is very relative compared to, say, China or Africa or somewhere else. Right. Um, but anyway, so... Um, well, I think this definition fits more... Well, when you understand this or see it, it fits more with the verse that we read. Right. Because it's not it's not really talking about clothing. Yeah, I think the Second Timothy 2.9, actually, the, the last part of that actually says, or costly array. Right. So it actually uses the term costly. Right. Um, so basically, you're presenting yourself as a, a, a wealthy... Individual, if you're if well, you're flaunting your 
your wealth. Yeah. Right. And in, in that culture, I hate to keep going back to their culture as, as an argument, but it was a way the Jews did think that if you had more wealth, that God blessed you more. Yeah. And, and so to show off your wealth was to show, hey, God's yeah. favor is with me. And yet it says that the inward is more important than the outward there. So the, the humility, the quietness of the woman, instead of the outward braiding of hair and gold and you know all that stuff that would be like, hey, look at me, yeah. look how important I am. Like, it's more of the quiet man or the, the quiet the woman. caked on makeup. The caked on makeup. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I won't. The, the Tammy Faye? <laughs> yeah. They, those, did you ever see those shirts? It said, I ran into Tammy Faye in the mall. And it was a face that was all oh, smeared for the makeup. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I have not seen that. Let's see those. So uh, make sure I get this right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you said you would have to couple this with two other words that we see in Scripture, which is temperance and self-control. Sure. So sure. you want to expound on how that comes in as far as temperance and self-control relates to modesty? Yes, yes. Uh, I was going to save that for later. But oh, I'm the, sorry. Um, oh, well, it is down there. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Well, isn't the word more related to moderate? Yeah, you can. You can. Uh, modesty is very close to moderate. I mean, obviously, right. it is very close. But uh, but the humility and the temperance. I wanted to save that for later because okay. of the the three points. All right, that, so we'll that come I had. back. We'll tease that a little but, bit. Yeah. Come back to it. All right. So how about uh, respect and honor? How's that related? To so modesty? respect and honor. This is this is where going to dress specifically in dress. Since in our culture, dress is much in our our forefront. Right. It's in our, yeah. our front of us, you know, the yeah. ladies are undressing more and more. So are the guys. Yeah. But specifically the, the girls and, and the ladies don't want to be told what to do. Don't tell me how to dress. It's a bunch of old white guys telling us how to dress. Right. Which is fair, you know, I guess. But the the respect and honor is we have lost that in our society where my goal is to honor you and respect you. I don't come into your living room and do whatever I feel like doing. I would be disrespecting you. So if I got in your living room and got naked, you would be like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Like, Time for you to go. Right. You just disrespected me. Yeah. And in fact, in scripture, you were pointing this out that pretty much every time nakedness was mentioned in the Bible, it was a shameful thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it starts in Genesis where it says God created Adam and male and female and they were naked and were not ashamed. Right. And then the first time, you know, after they sinned, then all of a sudden they were, they were hiding themselves. They were ashamed. Right. And it yeah. says because they knew they were naked, right. who told them? Right. And then in war to, to humiliate people, they would strip them. Right. You know, you yeah. strip slaves. Right. You know, yeah. to, to humiliate them. And, well, and wasn't that one of uh, some of David's men, their half yeah. their beard was shaved and yep. their clothes were stripped yeah. or something? Because yeah. it was to shame yeah. them. And in the same way that it's not a very respectful thing. Right. How, how am I going to respect you by, by forcing you to look at something you may not want to look at? Right. And so that goes with dress. I've seen people who have a bunch of curse words on their shirt. Yeah. And they're sitting in public. And I'm forced to look at it. I mean, obviously right. I can turn away, but it's it's right there in front of me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, well, thanks, man. That is not very modest. That's very loud and uh, out there and in my face. Right. And there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I can ask him to turn his shirt inside out and uh, he's not going to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, there's no humility displayed in public. Right. People, it's a pride and arrogance. 
that you see. Yeah. So that's so. The, the honor and, and respect. Whereas in other countries, they have a sense of honor and respect for their elders, for people around them, that they are not going to do this or act a certain way to offend the, the, the people. We don't have really a high sense of honor and respect in our culture, unfortunately. Well, yeah, we well, lost the it. the shame with nakedness has gone, and it is kind of interesting, like why we don't have that anymore. Now we take off our clothes freely, and there's no shame in that, and that's kind of... Because we don't have a fear of God anymore, nah. really. Yeah. I mean, well, that's... The Romans, when they crucified you, they would strip you yep. and hang you on the cross right. naked. Right. Yep. As a means, of just another... Of humiliation. Yeah, humiliation on top of being crucified. Yeah, when Jesus was being crucified, they're being nice to have that little cloth around him, but most likely there wasn't. No. And he was naked. Yeah. And uh, it was embarrassing. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, in the scriptures, when they do talk about naked, it's not necessarily completely naked. They, they, um, right, that loincloth or right, something. Yeah. Right. But. So th- that is, uh, to be fair, it's not right. always talking about you know, completely naked, but, but anyway. So part of being modest is uh, showing respect and honor to others when you're in their presence. Um, What about humility? Humility. Yeah. Kind of what we were just talking about. uh, Same thing. I have to humble myself to uh, honor and respect you guys, you know, or people around me. And it it takes uh, a person that's humble to not do what they want. Right. You know, to right. consider others around them, and like the definition that we were reading, it's it's a moderate thing. It's it's of it, humble, uh, like you can have false humility, <laughs> but there is a humility of how I live, how I present myself. Am I living in fancy homes, fancy cars? Am I always looking to? look important to people around me you know well, is that what i'm is that what i'm trying to, to portray my image or do i just want to be just another person in in this world yeah that's uh, well there's a book i mean this may sound unrelated but it was called the millionaire next door yeah yeah love that book yeah it's just people that had money but you never would know it right i remember working at this farm in ocala we were remodeling a house and uh, these guys showed up they were obviously working as well because they had work clothes on, work truck, and all that, and then one guy's on the trail, the tractor. It was like a week later. We were at a restaurant, and I saw the guy walk in, and it turns out he owned the farm, and he was a very wealthy man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even in the restaurant, was seeing him. He the reason why I recognized him because he had just had on jeans and a, he had a plaid button up shirt, but there was nothing. You would never know that this guy was as wealthy as he was because. He just didn't look it. Right. 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 He didn't show it. There's nothing flashy about it. I have so. a, a similar um, story. Uh, this uh, a guy who's a lady who worked for me. Her son took a job at a car dealership. Was going to be a salesperson. Uh, so just starting out, trying to understand sales, and um, he's willing to you know take anything. So this guy comes in and he's uh, dressed basically like you're talking about a farmer. He's got yeah. on rubber boots. He comes in. Um, want to look at vehicles and none of the salespeople approach him except for this new guy who doesn't know any better and he goes out there long story short he actually bought a brand new Corvette and paid cash (laughs) wow (laughs) so yeah sometimes you can't tell people right about what they wear that's uh, well I always taught the boys when they work with me we never knew because sometimes we go to construction sites and you don't know who's there I said you just need to learn always treat people with respect and treat them the same because you don't know who they are. They could be the owner of the house. And some of these houses were 
million dollar houses and you just didn't know because that happened to me. We're at a house and uh, it was the largest house in Pinellas County at the time. And the lady was there. She was doing stuff and I've just talking to her, making small talk. Very nice lady. Turns out she was the wife, the guy who owned the house. Right. (laughs) Right. You just don't know though. So that's part of, and I think we lost that in our society is that humility. Everybody wants to flaunt, you know, how much they are, how good they are. And that's the thing. Immodesty is like the opposite of humility because you show off what you have, what you own, what you, what you are. Right. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And that's, I think part of that is it's amplified or uh, exemplified through how you dress. Is the outward right. appearance of that? Yeah. That's what we immediately see because right. we don't see your house. Right. We get you see your car sometimes, yeah. you know. But immediately, how you dress is it does say something about you, like what your values are. Obviously, if you don't care what people, you know, oh, let me show off my tattoos. Well, that's important to you, right? Yep. You know, or let me show off my muscles. Well, obviously, that's important to you, yeah. you know, or let me show off my body because I want to attract. Well, we know what kind of person you are then. So yeah, it's, it's 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 like uh, it does reveal in that attitude right there. And in America, we are free. We're just we're free, and we don't care what anybody else says, and uh, or thinks, and that's too bad yeah. because that then we're we're offending people left and right, and and that can that becomes a problem, and then yeah. the church overemphasize you know overdoes it by then making rules, and so now you have to dress like right, this, yeah. and that becomes a problem on yeah. the other side, you know, where there isn't there shouldn't be any rules, um, but in my household we have certain rules, but right. I don't I don't. Put it on your daughters or wife right. or your daughters and wife. That's between you and God and what you, you think. Um, but yeah, we'll get in that in just a second because I have three things I think that I would be helpful. I was going to ask you about those because yeah. I know we mentioned last night. So we already talked a good bit about modesty being a heart issue or a culture issue. You got anything else to add to that? Yeah, the, the heart issue. So that's what we hear, right? Right. Is it's all it's really about a heart issue. Well, let's talk about the heart. Yeah. You know, because that that at the heart of the matter. That's right. That's mm-hmm. that's important because everyone just wants to dismiss it by saying it's a heart issue. Stop judging me. Well, it's time to examine your heart. So if you're watching, you're listening, and you're a Christian, most likely, I'm assuming, if you're watching and listening yeah. to this show, yep. uh, you would be a Christian. These are things that we do all the time anyways. We should examine yeah. ourselves and like, right. how, what am I doing? Uh, is the Lord pleased with me? And, and so on and so forth. Well, before you go any okay. further, I think we need to clarify. It's okay to have nice things. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you start letting that become your life and you want to always flash that out there to people, then there becomes a problem. Yeah, but, it becomes looking at me. Right. It, there is a difference between I want something that works and, right. and things that are nice, but it is like even if I can save up money and buy a Austin Martin, you know, <laughs> yeah. or a Lamborghini, yeah, that, yeah. that's not very modest. No, you know, yeah. it is. It's very flashy. It yeah. is. Look at me. Look at look what you know. I I have money. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to be flashy when you're. Driving one of those cars. Yes, <laughs> yes. A $28 million car right, is yeah. absurd. Uh, I know it's very rare, but even some of those really, really expensive cars can be up to $2 million a car, yeah. and that's crazy. Um, 
so the it really comes down to the hard issue versus cultural issues like because some of this is cultural it, you know you go to some places and they dress a certain way or everyone lives in a nice neighborhood and you're like well hey man I'm just average well you it's our duty as a Christian to check our hearts, right? To, right? to check our motivation and like, what would the Lord want us to do? So I came up with uh, how to come up with our convictions. And you may or may not like this, but this is just me. Okay. I'm speaking for Mike Charleston <laughs> and, uh, and Sarah, uh, not for Chuck or Larry. So the, the expressed, Im- the, the, um, the views aren't necessarily reflective <laughs> of Larry and Chuck, but I think they would probably agree. With uh, yeah, these. Uh, yeah. These are good. So when I, when I determine what is modest, so a conviction of mine, there's three things that I think are very, very important to consider. And some of these might seem very simplistic, but Hear me out. So number one, I think think of what God wants. First and foremost, what does God think of the issue? Whatever the issue is, whether it's dress or right. what kind of house I live in, what kind of car I drive, how if I'm loud, am I a loud personality? Uh, I, I shouldn't just excuse that. Well, that's just who I am. Right, well, yeah. yeah, but does that what God wants? So does God want this first and foremost? Okay, because if it's what God wants, I'm going to do whatever it takes right. to do what God wants. Mm-hmm. There are certain convictions in your guys' life, I'm assuming, that God has given to you. Yeah. And you're yeah. going to do that. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like God said this. I'm going to do this. It would probably help to have some scriptural background, (laughs) you know, backup, but uh, not necessarily. But um, the Bible and what God says are very, very important. Number two in this is, I think, the most important, well, not the most important, underrated, very underrated. Uh, Because everyone will say, well, yeah, I do what God wants. But number two is, how will this affect others? And so this, the, the number two one, I, I think, is what we've lost yeah. in America because we don't respect, we don't honor one another. So the number two one is how does this going to affect others? Am I go, by doing this action or doing this thing, by drinking, yeah. you know, was the example I, I gave, you know, why I don't drink. I don't have much of a biblical argument for it, you know. Uh, well, I, I, I think you do once you explain it and... Okay, right. Yeah, but I don't want to make anybody stumble. Right. And if they see me drinking and, and I don't drink, um, I don't want to present a, a stumbling block. So my conviction is I, I know alcoholism is a big problem out right. there. People have a problem controlling it. And I don't want someone to see me out in public drinking a beer or a bottle of wine. Or a bottle of wine, wow. <laughs> uh, but a uh, glass of wine, you know, so I don't. And I'm preferring other people. Uh, same thing with movies or certain kind of music. I don't want people to, I, I don't want to be a stumbling block. And I, I try to do that within reason. You know, I'm not going to have other people control my life. Right. But when I'm thinking about convictions, it's first what God wants. And then number two, how is this going to affect others? Is yeah. my dress going to offend men? Is my dress going to offend women? Right. You know, and that doesn't mean me taking off my clothes. I could wear a shirt that says, there, there was a shirt, I can't say it on the air, but it was just letters. And it, it was very offensive, just letters. And um, But if I walk around like that, um, you know, it's, it's very in your face. It's very offensive. I don't respect you. I don't honor you. It's not, you do you have the liberty 
Do you have right. the freedom to do this? But this is where we've lost it in America, where my rights are important, the, the views of other people are unimportant, and so when I think of convictions, that is how I think about dress, I think about where how I live, how I conduct myself, how is it going to affect other people? Well, this is where Paul said, don't use your liberty as a means to cause your brother to stumble. Right. That was the concept he was... I think it's in First Corinthians, but right, and that yeah. may be different. You know, maybe you say, "Well, okay, yeah. well then, Mike, well then, what does that mean that my daughter should wear skirts all the way to the floor, or just on? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's once again, this is something you're going to have to figure out. But how is this going to be honoring to the people around you? Right, and I can tell you, short shorts aren't going to be honoring no. to the people around. <laughs> well, that's you. the thing. Like when it comes to dress, like from the beginning, you don't have to put a, a length of the skirt, right. you recognize what modesty is when you see it. It may yep. be hard to define, but you know what it is when you see it. Absolutely. And right. so, yeah, you you don't have to say, well, your skirts have to be three inches below the knee or whatever. Right. You should already you, have that in your heart right. to I don't prefer. want to dress. I want to dress in a certain way that reflects... God's image rather than... Yeah, and you can do that without looking like a pilgrim. Right, exactly. You know, right. You yeah, don't a sack have of potatoes to, or something. Right. <laughs> you, you can still do it and still look like a modern-day American right. and, and still be modest. Uh, you know, we don't... The, the, my, my girls in the house don't wear pants, but there are people who... You can wear pants and be modest. You know, yeah, there, there's, you there's, there's, that's pretty obvious. But there are other ways of being immodest. You know, I don't want to just focus on the dress. Because that's where the friend and I were getting into this talk. Because I'm like, men are the most immodest. Right. They they are loud. They're brash. They buy expensive clothes. They have put this this country into debt because all they care about is greed. They care about what their image is, the kind of car, the kind of house. They make their wives go to work so they can support their habit. All for what? So what people can look at yep. their immodest life. They're not very modest. They don't. They don't. It's always more. It never goes backward. It always no. goes this way. It goes forward. And I need more. I need to consume more. We are the most consumers on the face of the earth. We throw mm. away the most mm. trash yeah. per capita than any person, and yeah. it's not even close. Yeah. So we are the most consumers of anything on the face of the planet. We're not very modest when yeah. it comes to. The lifestyle. And it, once again, this has nothing to do with dress. Oh, and the third thing, by the way, okay, so... Yeah, what yeah, God so number wants, one is, it, what does God want? Right. Number two is, how's this going to affect others? Number three? And number three is, sometimes this happens, and it's... Uh, it's for my pleasure. Yeah. And hopefully that isn't what category I'm in when I'm thinking of the things that I do. But I'll be honest. It happens sometimes. I want to do it because I want to do it. Yeah. And I try not to do that, but there are times where I'm just like, you know what? Tonight I'm 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 watching a movie. And you know, I don't care. I, I just yeah. the guys were lazy today. We're we're not we're not doing this and you know, and I have to check myself, okay, is this is it okay to do? But there, there are going to be some times where we do selfish acts, but hopefully yeah. if we do these three things, well, not the third one, hopefully, but if we do the first two, we <laughs> won't fall into the third one very much. We will learn to honor and respect others, and we will put what God wants first, and we'll think of what, what others want, and then that'll hopefully take care of itself. So, so. we were having a conversation um, the other night uh, regarding that's similar to this, 
Um, so you talk about how we come up with convictions and modesty, how that plays into uh, the development of convictions. But how about a little bit of the the other side of it? What about when our convictions, if we're trying to, at what point do we show deference and not try to place that onto other people? Because I think sometimes we actually take our convictions and try to project yes, it on others. We do, and that's a problem. It can be a problem. I mean, it's not always a problem. I'd love for people to have my convictions. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but the um, you you have to have grace. You know, and that's that's a that's a tough balancing act because you have to let people grow and you just have to learn to be gracious. So like at our house, if someone is swimming at our house, we just gently say, hey, here we dress a certain way when we go swimming. Uh, I'm not trying to control their life, right. <laughs> you know, but just right. at our house. Uh, I had to correctly. Uh, I had to correct a young kid, a uh, Bible bee kid, that was. Um, he said a word when he was playing, and it wasn't like a curse word, but we don't say it, right. and, and it's kind of offensive. And so I said, uh, "We don't say that word." And he's like, "Well, that's not necessarily wrong." And I'm like, "Well, in our house, we don't say it." And he was like, "Oh, okay." And then you just leave it. You know, right. it's you don't yeah. make a big deal. You don't have to give him a lecture and tell him how superior you you are. And uh, someone did that to me. I used a word that to me I wasn't thinking of it, and he said he just you know, corrected me and said mess up. You know, and and, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't even think about it. And he's like, well, it's fine. It's just that we don't use that other word. And um, I was like, oh, okay. And uh, so there are ways to gently help people along, especially when it's in the context of your house. I don't know if that's what you're kind of getting at. Well, no, that's one good place. Is, I mean, obviously, in the context of your house, you have a little more control. I would agree that, you know, these are our convictions. If you're going to be here, I'd appreciate it if you just sure. respect yeah, right. our convictions. Right. But let's take a public setting. So if we're in a public setting and it's our conviction, whatever that may be, uh, yes. are we going to hold somebody else to that standard? No, I don't think so. I, it's So we put on a camp, right? right. Now, we put on the camp. So we come up with the standards. We also are trying to balance that and be generous somewhat. Like we don't make everybody dress like we dress. <laughs> you know, to be fair, it's a camp, yeah. and it's hot. We, we do. <laughs> Thank you. It's hot. Yeah. <laughs> so we do put some standards, and we ask people just to respect those standards. And I don't think they're out of line. It's not no, like we're no. making everybody wear long sleeve shirts and pants yeah. all weekend. <laughs> you know, you can wear shorts. You we can, had a neighbor that did that. Long he sleeve? would actually run. He was trying to lose weight, and he started jogging. He, he thought would, sweating would help. <laughs> he would jog in long pants and a long sleeve shirt. Wow! Because that was their conviction and oh, how they dressed. Okay, okay, okay. I'm like, well, I mean, kudos to you for sticking to well, it. Well, to be man, fair, that's... like I talked to one of my kids about this yesterday, I think, but. When it's hot, we live in Louisiana, it's hot, and it's just going to be hot no matter what you're wearing. Yeah. So I, I know some people tell me like, oh, I can't, you know, wear more clothes because it's just too hot. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like the people that are I'm wearing shorts, no matter what. the people that are wearing yeah. short shorts and a tank top, they're complaining about the heat more than the rest yeah. of us. So I'm like, it's yeah, yeah, going to get sunburned. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, see what you're saying, Chuck, I think we need to have a be willing, we need to have a valid reasons for our conviction. So not that we push those on somebody, but if they ask, sure, at they least ask, we have a, a, explain them. a yeah. logical con way to explain it. Well, that's what I was thinking. I don't put my convictions on other people, and I try to. we try to teach our kids not to put our convictions on right. other people, but we talk about it. We talk about right. why Why do we do things differently than maybe some of those people over there, right. and, and it's fine that they do something different, you yeah. know, but let's so think, know why we do. So I think that's another good example of modesty. Right. 
yeah. how we're controlling, go. how right. we're acting and controlling. We're yeah. showing, you know, here's what we believe. This is our conviction. This is how yeah. we're going to be. This is why, but I'm not holding you to that standard. I think that's a right. good yeah. Because good way then you're you're becoming a very controlling person, controlling everybody's aspect, and that's when the church gets involved. And but in a public setting, so going back to the camp thing, it's all right to have standards. Yes, yeah, you, you know, so. for for an event, you have to. And you know, right, <laughs> yes. you know, so like for your church, if you if you the elders get together and say we have a certain standard, that's fine. You know, whatever they come up with, I think that's fine for that particular meeting. Now, once it carries into the house, if you're saying you should wear long sleeve shirts, Larry, even at home, and you're yeah. like, "Well, come on, man, yeah, you know what are you what are you doing in my house? You're yeah, telling right. me what to do." But for a camp, you know, like, hey, this is the the dress code. Everybody has some kind of standard in, yeah. in, a, in a public setting like that. You yeah. know, they even convenience store says no shirt, no shoes, no service. Right. You know, That's so right. so it, even I mean, even a society, we're going to accept some cultural standards. Right. They change, and probably not for the better. In <laughs> right. <times>. Yeah. <laughs> but. As a, if you're going to have a society that's able to live together, there are certain standards that we're going right. to uphold. And we just have to be careful to, once you have a conviction, and especially in this area, you, you graciousness is important. Because we've changed throughout the years. We've even gone back a little bit and forward and back and forward on all kinds of issues when it comes to this issue, not just dress, but different things. Even our house. I really struggled with our house because if you came to our house, you would think, wow, it's a really big house. And he's got a lot of money, and all, but you don't know that I got it at a really good deal, right, yeah. <laughs> and it's it fits what we're doing yeah. for for this season, and and so I really I honestly did struggle with this because I was like, well, are people going to be offended by this? You know, knowing that. Um, I'm, I'm a preacher of sorts, and you know, and like, oh, you're making money. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, no, I'm not. I'm making less than anyone. So please spare me. But it's like, it's more like I made a lot of children, and they got to have somewhere to stay. That's right. Yeah. And it, it was a very huge blessing. And when I tell people the story, they can't believe how much we got the house for. Right. It's, so yeah. it's uh, it was a huge blessing. But you know, we just want to be careful. You know, we yeah. don't. It's easy to to make a judgment. Uh, you know, on people and how they live, but you know yourself, you know your heart, and I think that's where it, it does become a heart issue, and and that's where. Uh, that's the heart of the matter. And you sure. got to go before God and be responsible for these things and say, am I obeying God and am I respecting and honoring others? I think that's the big key. I think that goes into the last point. Right. The- yeah, so... <laughs> Self-control and temperance. How's that play into modesty? Yeah, self-control. Uh, America lacks self-control. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Absolutely. <laughs> That's self-control, right? And I had a friend of mine, he used to say, spandex is a privilege, not a right. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we just go along with things. But if I can control my appetite, yeah, you know, right. and I'm not just talking about food. Uh, I'm talking about the lusts of this world. Uh, if I consume the lusts of this world, I'm an intemperate person, and I'm not going to be right. very moderate. I'm not going to be modest in my living, and and so in all aspects. So this is a bigger issue than most people are. They're just thinking clothing, right? Yeah, it's a and much it's, bigger. It's really just a, your whole lifestyle. What does it say of you? Are are you geared toward God? Or are you? Is it all about all-consuming of yourself? And that's where self-denial yeah. 
comes in because if I have to deny myself, I would really like this fancy thing, but I'm like, just does does God want me to do this? Is it going to be beneficial to others, or am I just wasting on my own lusts? Most of the time, I'm wasting all my own <laughs> lusts if I'm being honest, and so I'm like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> a good a good way to judge that is whenever you go and get that thing, how long is it really important to you? Exactly, yeah. or is it another thing that you got to go get now? That's right, yeah. right, yeah. Because yeah, a lot of people think it's going to bring happiness or fulfillment. It never does. No, it's just things. It's stuff, and uh, so you, you're the judge of this. You you and but you have to be honest. You have to be honest with yourself before God, and don't let the dictates of church or you know, other people uh, persuade you. They might have good arguments, and you're like, "Hey, I, I like what they're doing. Maybe, maybe I can emulate a little bit. Maybe there's a reason why they're doing it. Sure, but it's got to come from your heart. Don't just follow them just because yeah. they're doing it, and you like them. Then you're like, "Well, my goodness, they go to bed at nine o'clock, so I got to go to bed at nine o'clock too." I think that's a great idea. I know that's a good <laughs> idea for you. <laughs> so, I like to stay up late. <laughs> so, anyway, and and just for fun. The last question. So, would Jesus wear a Rolex on his television show? <laughs> I don't know yeah, where I this came that's, from. That's awesome. I heard it at a Texas shindig from Miles Pike, but I found oh, out it was that, a song. That's right. that he wasn't the one that wrote the song. It was um, Ray, Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens. Uh, it yeah. sounds like something Ray would write. But it's actually very, I mean, I liked the song because it kind of just goes through different things. Well, about we looked up a Rolex watch and how much it costs. It is absurd. Yeah, it's absurd. It's absurd. And I don't even think I would wear one if uh, someone gave it to me. It would just be so gaudy. Yeah. And why ruin well, it? This talking about modesty. I, there's a video I watched on YouTube. These two well-known televangelists. Okay. Discussing why they have their private jets. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's so absurd. I'm like, it's ridiculous. But they're so flashy and so unashamed to flaunt their wealth. And I'm like, and people still. Give them money. Well, they think that God wants them to do this. I know. So it's they like, did number one. <laughs> They've deceived themselves. Yeah, and, they have. You know, private jets. Come on, man. You yeah, one was like, he was bragging how he got a deal on it, and he spent like $40 million on yes. it. Yes. That was a great like, deal. Wow. Great deal. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Unbelievable. But yeah, you talk about that. I mean, that is the epitome of not being modest and no humility. Right. It's just to brag about that. Right. Yeah. That's, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it may or may not have been him, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'm no. pretty sure the answer would be a definite no. When you read Isaiah 53 and know what Jesus was like. Yes. He's not coming. I mean, if we look at Christ as our example in everything, it, it's so hard to imagine where he's, where we're at today with a lot of these TV preachers and, you know, living it up. And it's just, it's so hard to imagine like, how did we get here? Yeah. And, and it is selfishness. It is we're absorbed with our own selves. Well, uh, well, that's why, like, the name it and claim it crowd, they've got so popular because it's people wanting to get something. They basically, yeah. I'm going to give to God so that he'll give back to me so that I can feed my, yeah. my fleshly desires. And so yeah. it's more greed. It's not modesty at all. It's no, no. Not, did Larry ever get on the, the live stream there, Joshua? Oh, he did. Oh, so, oh okay. You should wave to everyone. I, okay, yeah. I guess it's that camera there. <laughs> I guess. Right. I don't see it, but um, anyway. whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, one thing before you end. Okay. I, um, I think it's interesting when you're talking about how we come up with convictions, and I like your think of what God wants and then how it affects others. And 
you actually don't have, which I know you would, you know, you believe that we should look to the Bible to come up with our convictions. Well, that but should be a number one, right? But this is like things that sometimes we don't know, and I, I feel like sometimes in you know at least people I talk to, it's like we're afraid to come up with a conviction that we can't show a verse like, oh, right here it says, don't do this sure. or do this. And I'm like, um, oftentimes the Bible doesn't spell out everything. So right, right, it's yeah. like, you know, it's right to think, you know, go to God and say, okay, I need to come up with what, how I'm supposed to yeah, do if, this if or you that. Need or a, if you I need a Bible verse, always go to Philippians 4, 8, I think it is. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever <laughs> things are just, whatsoever things are right, yeah. a good report, think on these things. That, that covers a lot of convictions right there. Well, I mean, it's also going to cover... It's not. It's not within a individual culture, right? So, I mean, if you take if you take the scripture being modesty, and we're talking about dress, and put it in an African tribe, yeah, it's going to be a totally different set of what you're wearing. Right? Yeah, right, yeah, right. That's that's the problem. That's where I said it's somewhat cultural, yeah. based on where you are. Well, but well, we don't have to look like we're in the 18th century right, right, exactly. to, to be modest. You know, yeah, dress like pilgrims. Right. <laughs> uh, years ago, when I was in Honduras, I noticed that people when they went out. They dressed really nice, and some of them we were they were part of the mission we were working on, and I knew the house they lived in it was basically a hut, right, but if you saw them out, you wouldn't know that and I asked one of the Honduran people about that. he said, "Well, because they want to project that they have money when they really don't, so they want you to see what they don't have right because if they dress like they what what they had it would they would feel more humiliated I guess in a sense. Well, back in the so, day, they people used to go to sporting events. Yeah, they would dress up. Well, and that's a and, sense of pride. I guess not right. pride, but um, self respect. Maybe self-respect. right. right. Yeah. They're, they're honoring. It was, it was a cultural that. thing for sure. <laughs> but now it's. Just it's way yeah. different. Everyone wears jerseys just, and you just know, ask stuff. my wife. I don't have any self respect. <laughs> you have no self respect. <laughs> she always says. Uh, are you wearing that? <laughs> <laughs> I am You're today. not going to wear that going out, are you? <laughs> See, I'm just trying to be humble. That's You're all. Trying That's to be humble. So, yeah, humility understand. and temperance are a big part of modesty. And the people that want to argue their point most likely <laughs> have forgotten humility and, and self-control because they're arguing what they want. It's a, it's a self-defeating argument once you say, I want to wear what I want to wear. Yeah. I want to live how I want to live. And I'm like, do you realize what you're just saying? You, you, you don't consider anything else. And all I'm saying is you should consider God, scriptures, and others and how that's going to be perceived. Not to live a fake life, right. but to be honoring and respectful to the people around well, you. That was the thing with the people in Honduras. It was a fake. Yeah. And they were living basically a lie because they were right. projecting something that they weren't. They, they, they all knew it too. It yeah, everybody odd. knew it. That was the <laughs> funny right. thing. I'm like, you guys know that. Right. It's, <laughs> so anyway. All right. Any final thoughts? No, I think that's it, man. Yeah, that's it. You guys have, do you have any, this is all about you, babe. No, no, not really. It it really isn't about just dress. This is a whole lifestyle thing. And I could, I'm very passionate about this. I talked about this years ago at a church group and was made fun of. And all the guys were like, okay, Mike, we won't wear shorts around you. I don't want you to stumble. I'm like, it's very funny. I think you missed the whole point. (laughs) You know, the, the, you know, you, you missed the whole point. Cause once you say modesty, they all just think of clothes. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, it's about your how you conduct yourselves in this world. And it's going to show itself in how you dress and what you wear and some yeah. of the outward things. Yeah. But 
I'm not trying to point a finger. And uh, so I guess the easiest thing to say is what's on the inside is going to show itself on the outside. Right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I think that's what, the, going back to the original verse, that's exactly what, what it's it talking that, about. Yeah. That what's on the inside will come out on the outside. You don't have to be fake and all that. So, all right, Joshua, why don't you go ahead and get us out of here? And uh, thank you. The Mike Charleston Show. History with Larry. All right, Larry. All right. We are uh, back. You did chat a week off. And, I did. Uh, yeah. So you should have a, a very good one this week. This is a good one. Okay. I actually changed from what I was going to do oh. to this one. Because oh. I thought you had one ready for last week. I did. Okay. But you changed. I did. Yeah. Oh, you're going to save that one for later? Probably next week. Uh, saving it oh, for later. Larry, <laughs> what are you doing? Yes. All righty. Okay. So this is more a relative modern history. Oh, okay. That way, it, you know, people might be able to relate to it. So yeah, I think that was redundant. Relative um, modern, modern history. history? It's modern mo- history. I yes, it will no, be modern yeah, okay. history. Modern, modern history. Okay. It takes place in 1978. That is, well, that's a couple years after I was born. So yes, that is modern. It's, yeah, I was eight years old. How about that? Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, Sarah was just born. It doesn't just seem born. like that long ago, but yes, yeah. it doesn't. Long time ago. Yeah. Okay, it's about two friends. Two friends. Yeah, Ben Pete, and Jerry. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Gunter. I'm gonna mispronounce their names, so all you history buffs, please forgive me because I'm not good. Gunter. Gunter. Wetzel. Oh yeah, I knew Wetzel. You know them? No, I know a Wetzel. Oh, I was friends with a Wetzel growing oh. up. Yeah. Maybe they're related. I maybe. Once you hear the story, you might say, "Hmm, I wonder." Oh. And Peter Strelzik. Strelzik. That was not a friend of mine. No, it wasn't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, these two guys, they wanted to do something to better their situation and better their family's lives. Ah, sure. And they weren't sure what to do. They actually met four years before this takes place, and they started working together. Gunter was, uh, he wanted to go into physics. Okay. But because of circumstances that we'll mention later at the end of the story, he was not able to go to college. Mm. So he ended up doing, uh, he was a bricklayer and a truck driver. So it wasn't because he was blind? No. 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 Okay. (laughs) So he's a bricklayer and a truck driver. Right. You kind of need to see for those. Yes, it's very helpful. So what's their deal? Well, uh, yeah, uh, get there. Okay. Peter was an electrician and also a former military mechanic. Oh, Okay. They actually started working together for a bit as electricians, and Gunter was re, he re, renovated his own house as well. They lived there. They I think he had two kids, and Peter had two kids. So, kind of important later. You'll see. Anyway, moving right along. The kids are important. The, the number. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It, yeah. It's, it's a little twist here. Oh, it's twisty. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't sure what they wanted to do, but one day Peter's sister-in-law came to visit and she had an article about hot air balloons. Oh. And uh, one of them, there's been some conflicting argument about who came up with the original idea or not, but one of the two had an aha moment and ah. said, that's what we're going to do. Look, Larry, if you come to me and we're like, we, we're struggling, we got, we got to do hot air balloons, I'd be like, dude, you lost your mind. No way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so they set out. Now, this, keep in mind, this is the days before Google, before YouTube. Yes. So they could not look up anything to figure out how to make this stuff. So they have no oh. clue what they're doing. They're Basically. Just, they're just... They bought a bunch of fabric. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> and their wives help them sew it together to make this balloon. This is not going to end well, is it? <laughs> and they, <laughs> they built a, the basket and everything. They went to inflate it, would not even shocker. Inflate. Yeah, huh. because the fabric they found out caught on fire. Was too no, it's oh. too porous. They, oh, the it air didn't go hold right the through air. it. So. Oh, well, that's not good. So that was the first attempt failure. Oh, but they boy. learned some things. Yeah, they learned some things. Why don't they just look it up on the internet? Yeah, I know. <laughs> go to the library. That's right. The second attempt built a bigger uh, balloon. And I don't they think also, so, Tim. <laughs> right. Well, what was the point of a bigger one if the well, first one? You're, you're going to see. Okay. Gonna, hold on. Uh, is this like they, a Zeppelin or something? <laughs> they um, also did some research, which mm-hmm. is very helpful. <laughs> yes, they finally and did And they some. found the right material f- to make the balloon. So they made their second balloon, and it worked better. Okay. But the, the blower inside that makes the flame to heat the air inside the balloon it went through way too much fuel. And oh, okay. It just, well, that's not good. No, that's not to good fly. either. Yeah. Right. So that didn't work. In between the third, second and third attempt, they had a little bit of a falling out. No kidding. Yeah. No, Uh-oh. shocker. But Peter decided to follow with the balloon idea. And then Gunter went back. He was going to make an airplane, design his own airplane, build his own airplane. I and, don't think so. It's yeah. going to work out very good for him. <laughs> the balloon idea did not work. It failed. <laughs> But so they came back, their fourth attempt. So the third attempt, they had a rift. That was the third attempt, okay. and that, that balloon failed. Fourth attempt, they got it all worked out. Wow. They took a, a motorcycle engine, modified it, added extra pipes and things like that, and that's what they used for the blower to create the flame to make the balloon. But they made the balloon much, much bigger. Oh, boy. It ended up being like, it was 13,900. Oh, is this the blimp? Did they make the blimp? Square feet, no. <laughs> How many square it was feet? Huge, thirteen thousand. Good night. Nine hundred ninety-three okay. square feet. Hey, yeah, it's a lot of hot air. Yeah, a lot of hot air. And it, so that they had it all planned. They had to look at the weather and all that. When so the night came for them to, to do it to inflate the balloon. And why at night? We're gonna get there. Oh, <laughs> intrigue. <laughs> yes. So it was go time. It's either we do it now or we don't. We abandon the whole thing and forget it and part ways. They didn't. They said, okay, let's go. So at about 2.30 a.m. on the night of September September 15th, ah. about 2.30 a.m. in the morning, the, air, the balloon was airborne, but they had a rough start because as, as the balloon was filling with air, of course, and then it starts to lift, and you have it anchored to the ground to keep. So when you're ready, you can cut the anchors and whoop, yes, go up. Thank you. The <laughs> the anchors were at the opposite corner, so when they went to cut it, they didn't cut them exactly at the same time. <laughs> so oh. the balloon tilted, causing the flame oh, inside to goodness. catch part of the balloon on fire. Oh. They got the fire out, but it left a hole. So they had, in order for their flight, they had to keep the burner burning the whole time. They were hoping not to do that. So that it could conserve fuel sure. and give them a longer flight time. Didn't happen. These guys aren't very good engineers. But I are know. They? They're just what a bunch of amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> but you give them an A for effort. Anyway, so the balloon got up to about 2,000 meters. I in don't the air. think I would go that high with a hole in it. <laughs> and at night, like you can't really see well. What are no. they doing? There well, was no way. They, um, so the, the whole flight time was about 28 minutes, but. Somewhere near the end of their flight time, the gas ran out, and they couldn't reignite. <laughs> a little foreshadowing the, there, huh? Yeah. It wasn't there. No kidding. All right. <laughs> they couldn't reignite the burner. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, 
as the air gets cooler in the balloon, the balloon comes down, and that's what happened. They landed in some trees, and some police officers saw them, and they were okay and everything. But so here's the twist of the story. Ooh, like the twists. They were not building the hot air balloon to start a hot air balloon business. They were building the hot air balloon to escape the oppressive communist government of East, Berlin, East Germany. And they were escaping into West Germany. And their flight gave them enough lift and the wind took them, carried enough into West Germany. And wow. they escaped. What about their kids, though? Well, that was the thing. So they needed a huge balloon to carry because they couldn't weave a basket like a traditional hot air balloon. So they had to use metal, which uh, was the heavier. Nazis not watching? Of course, they weren't Nazis yet. Well, so then, the attempt that Germans. failed with... This is 70s. Nazis are gone. <laughs> so when Peter took his family, he was going to try it on his own. That balloon failed and it landed in sort of like the no-man zone or no-go zone between the borders. <laughs> and they had to abandon it. What do you do at that point? Well, so they, they stuck forever? The government was started looking for people buying balloons. They put restrictions on how much fabric you could buy and everything. So they had to go all around Germany to get smaller, you know, amounts of the fabric Mm. to make enough to, and so that's why they had to do it at night. And that particular night, the winds were blowing in the right direction. So it was either they do it then or not at all. That's great. I don't understand this. Like if it didn't work the fourth, that's it. Like, you want to get out of this country, so why not a fifth try? Why not a sixth well, try? Yeah, so during the time after the Berlin Wall was built, there was about 150,000 people that tried escaping, and only 40,000 made it. So very Wait, long. How many people tried? 150,000. Hmm. 40,000 so, is a lot of people escaping. Yeah. It sounds like our wall in, this, but, in, in yeah. uh, Texas over there. But the downside is if you get caught, it's a high price to pay. Yeah, I'm sure it yeah. is. So... But uh, so they made it. So when they landed, Gunter and Peter came out of the woods and met the officers and they said, are we in West Germany? And they said, no, you're in Czechoslovakia. <laughs> <And> they, said, <laughs> they said, yeah. So they started, you know, hooting and hollering and calling their wives and kids out. But I went to say with the basket. So the problem was the weight. Because the basket was metal, a steel frame. That Why added would they do that? Because that was the material they had available. Oh. And... Wow. So they had to make this huge balloon, and it was only about two square meters the size of it. So they're all packed Larry, in. Larry, we are English here. So. Uh, well, uh, two square yards. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Give or take. Okay. But uh, So they're all packed into this little basket with the burner in the middle and the fuel tank. And wow. they had no idea where they were going, which direction, because they had no control because it's a balloon. You just drift with the wind. So they're hoping they were drifting far enough. And so they actually made a movie about it, and I think it was 1982. It's called Night Crossing. Night Crossing. Yeah. Nice. So now, have you seen it? I no, I have. I never oh, heard okay. of it until I, I. I heard about this. I don't remember where I heard it, and I'm like, "What was that story?" And then I was like, "I think it was something with a hot air balloon." And wow. So yeah. I was wondering. I was like, I didn't realize hot air balloons were new in 1978. But no, but they've been around. Yeah, so the article was a big hot air balloon like convention that was going to take place in Albuquerque, New Excuse Mexico. Me, wait a minute, wait a minute. A hot air balloon convention? Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so when they saw it, they're like, hey, we can build that. Wow. And, but it's not, obviously, it's not as simple as 
You would think. So there's a little I guess bit not. of right. <laughs> science. Yeah. So wow. they, they got their so, freedom. How about yeah, that? Yeah, they did. And so oh, I've never cool. heard of them. So you're right. I, I, yeah. There's no way that's I would have known. That's kind of a known. cool story. Fronts cool. and fronds. Yeah. But, uh, the fact that they were willing to risk everything just to get out of there was... It, it, it's a, There's multiple stories of people doing stuff like that. But theirs was unique in the sure. fact that yeah. they went over the wall, <laughs> way up high over it. And yep. then, yeah. Yeah. So wow. kind of cool. Shows how bad it was there, I guess. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, it, it got really bad. Yeah, oh, cool. Well, so. cool. Wow, that's cool. Well, all right. That was interesting. Uh, uh, I hope you guys learned something. I did. Yeah. And uh, didn't know about Hans and Franz or whatever their name is. <laughs> Peter and Gunter. Gunter and Peter. Peter. What, I think Gunter, if I remember correctly, he's still alive. Peter died Get a few out. years ago. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess it was wow. 78. Yeah, so, 78. Yeah, because yeah, it wasn't until Reagan, you know, tear down that wall, right. Gorbachev. Yeah, that's and, right. And uh, <laughs> so that was in 88, I think. I think somewhere around there, yeah. Right. Do so, you remember watching that on TV? I do. Me too. Yeah. Right. I do remember yeah. watching that. That was uh, 12 years old. So yeah. don't tell me how old you were. You were like 20. Eighteen. <laughs> you had a beard and everything. Yeah, I did. And I didn't even anyway. So all right. Well, that's interesting. Thank you very much, Larry. And uh we'll look forward to next week. The Mike Charleston Show. Music with Sarah. What song do you like? All right, babe, this is the time for your song of the week, and we're going to dip into the oldies for this one. The oldies, yep, we're going way back. This actually, is like 35 years old or yeah, something. Yeah, I actually didn't look up the year that this one came out, but it's been a long time. It's probably 35 years old, and most people probably don't know this song, actually. Yeah, well, this song is called Still Small Voice by Brian Dirksen. Yes, Brian Dirksen. It's, it's about, looks like Dirksen, but it's Dirksen. Yeah, and I actually... I. There, are, I guess, are a number of versions out there that are all done by Vineyard, but the one right. that um, I'm most familiar with is the one on Winds of Worship One. Right, Winds of Worship One. That's the album, uh, Winds of Worship One, and it's a live recording at one of their conferences, and it's yep. it's probably their better versions. That's for sure. Yeah. It has a. It's one of the rare songs that have an has an oboe in worship. Yeah. Not an elbow, an oboe, <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a beautiful instrument. And just with the acoustic guitar and the oboe and um, and all that, so it's a really cool sound. Yeah, it's just a beautiful song. And actually, I think it was Saturday night we stayed up, or you stayed up. I <laughs> stayed up through part of it till like one thirty in the morning. And when we were going to bed, um, we'd actually turn all the lights out and ready for, to go to bed. And the song just popped in my head. And I was like, wow, I haven't thought of that song in a long time. And so I got my phone and quick wrote a note to myself because I figured I wouldn't remember. Right. And then the next day I, I pulled it up and um, Abigail was here and she was like, what, what was the other song you were looking up? And so I was like, oh, still small voice. But I was like, nobody knows it. So I probably just won't sing it. She's like, I've been listening to that again and again. So I was like, oh, well, then we have to do it. So anyway, and then I, I showed it to some of the kids and... Um, I know, at least for Lydia, it's on her favorites list now. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very, very simple song. I mean, we could just tell you the whole song here. It's a slower song. So even though it's the, the words, there's not many words, but it does kind of yeah. draw out a little bit. But when I hear your still small voice, your kindness stirs me within. Lord, I need to hear your voice to lead me and break me once again. Speak, my Lord, I want to hear your voice is all that I need. Speak, my Lord, I will obey. Your voice is life to me. And, you know, that it's a very simple song, but it is, you know, especially in our day and age where we are in a hurry to get everywhere. Yeah. 
And do we take time just to meditate, just to listen? We, we, we like to pray, but it's like, God, hear me. I don't want to hear you. And just to listen to his still, small voice, is that's how he speaks. He doesn't speak with loud thunderings and lightnings well, all the time. Right, he has. And I think it's interesting when you look through the Bible at the different ways that he speaks. Right. But there, there is a time when he just speaks in a still, small voice. And I think, for like you say, for many Americans, yep. we'd miss it because we go through, we do our, you know, our prayer time or whatever. We go through our list and then it's like, got to go, you know. Yep. Appointments are calling. We and <laughs> well, in this particular verse that this comes from, uh, it does talk about that where God doesn't always speak in thunderings and all that, but he's uh, in a still small voice. And uh, so anyway, it's a, it's a, just a very, very simple song and um, go ahead and check it out. It's, you can find it on Seek Righteousness, Touching the Father's Heart, number 15. That's where it's on also. That was the original. And there's a couple other versions on, on Vineyard Cafe. It's all Vineyard. Uh, back when Vineyard was putting out music, I have no idea what they're doing these days. Uh, not as good as what they used to be, but uh, I know some people might have some problems with Vineyard, but they did put out some pretty good songs. And uh, this was, I think, one of them. Just a very simple yeah. song. It's not super deep, but it's, uh, it speaks to your soul. Yeah, it's a good song. Check it out. The Mike Charleston Show. All right, babe, this is the next chapter of your book. You can run in flip-flops, but is that the best way? That's the title, and yeah. it seems pretty catchy, everybody around yes. mentioning that, so hey, whatever. So the name of this chapter is? It's called, What About the Great Commission? Oh, that's a salient right there. Yeah. That's like, oh, you got my attention. So what about the Great Commission? Obviously, we are to reach the lost here, right? Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, the, the idea is that in, in churches we push... We need to fulfill the Great Commission, and we should be out preaching. Well, at least I used to. I don't know about much anymore. Yeah, but, okay. Uh, okay. Good point. Um, but we should go out there and reach the lost. There's a lost sure. and dying world, and that's absolutely right. And so we should pass out tracts and do street preaching and you know, uh, go to abortion clinics. Whatever kind of ministry opportunities you can find, sure. we should go and do that, and that's very true. But when we actually look at the what the Bible says about the Great Commission, it says that we are to go and make disciples. Go to make disciples. Teaching them to observe, to do all these things that I've commanded you. Well, that's right. a lot of things. Yes. And as we were just pointing out before the show, uh, we've been saved uh, 30, about, yeah, 30 years now. And I've been saved 30 years and I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm still growing. Right. And so just to hand out a track, which I'm not ripping. I mean, that's it's yeah. important to at least get that in the door, but they need to grow on into maturity and they need to understand uh, the, God's program. Right. So, which is a really huge task when you look at somebody who's lost and you give them the gospel and they believe. Right. And then they're saved, but now they have so much that they need to learn and understand Absolutely. as they grow in Christ. And so we're supposed to help them in that. And so the idea is that I think God gave us a way to do this by creating the family. Well, it's, not necessarily a way to do this, but definitely a way to practice this right. and and to experiment, <laughs> maybe not experiment, but we have people, we have kids in our families that, we, you know, as they're born, that we get them from the very beginning until they're 20 or 18, whatever it is. And we have an opportunity to disciple them, yeah. raise them up. 
Um, there's no excuses. There's no baggage. We create the baggage. <laughs> and, and so we, we can start from a fresh start. And these are souls that are in our... And, and specifically in your book, you're writing to mothers. Right. And uh, these mothers, obviously fathers have a different specific role that they're going to play a part. But spe- specifically with mothers, how do they play a part? Well, because mothers are with their children all day. Right. And so, I mean, from that's a lot of hours that you're with your kids that you can teach them the gospel, teach them right. the things that are in the Bible, and oftentimes through song and Bible stories. And I mean, obviously, you're not going to sit there and do a long teaching with three, four, and five-year-old. Right. But through just life and through things that come up all throughout the day, we have opportunities to teach them. Yeah. And Are you making Christianity fun and exciting? And do you do fun songs with them? Do you yeah. pray with them? Do you make it a chore and boring and tedious? Or yeah. do you do it with life and energy and excitement? Because that's who, what your relationship with Christ is. That's a big deal in the household. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, it is. And I mean... Again, it's great to go out and reach the lost, but we have opportunities right here in our home where God gives us these children and we will be held accountable for the things that we teach them growing up. And it's a great program. It's a great thing that God gives us. And it's like, we have a captive audience for, you know, 20 years, give or take, you know, some years. (laughs) And it's like, we we have a great opportunity to pour everything that we know and understand of God and the gospel into their lives. And so, I mean, I just, I think it's a great opportunity. And so often we feel like, that has less meaning or right. purpose than going out there. It's like, oh, I got to go reach the lost. And it's like, you have lost right there in your home. Like, I think yes. God wants us to, you know, it says first in Jerusalem, then, and, you know, then you go out. And it's like, first, let's start right where we are. And let me see if I can reach these kids. Yep. And then also go out. And hopefully by the time they, you don't have to wait till they're 20. Right. But, you know, by the time they're 16, you know, hopefully they have a good knowledge of, of God and they can join you and participate in some things. Yeah. And, you know, we've sent our kids out to different outreaches and they loved it and it challenges them and yeah. it helps them to grow. But yeah, how do you expect to multiply this? Uh, it's not just, you shouldn't just focus on your family. <laughs> there There is other people out there in the world, but these are definitely in your life for all day, every day, and they see your example. And if you fail there, then what does that say? You know, it's not to put any pressure on you uh, (laughs) because it's a multifaceted type thing. It's not all on you, but you do have such a great influence, uh, mothers especially. I mean, you are with them most of the time. And obviously fathers do too, but your your book is to mothers. So that's what we're talking about. And it's just sad because I feel like in the church, um, family issues and um, relationship issues in a family are not, you know, it's kind of back burner. It's yeah. like, you know, occasionally we'll do a little series or something right. on we'll let marriage the professional, or something. We'll let the professionals take care of that. But it's such a need. And I'm like, if all the families that are, you know, faithful to go to church would be taught how to raise their kids and disciple them and bring them up, I'm like, I think we'd be in a very different place. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, go check out that chapter. I don't. It's not a chapter number, but it's a... It's in there. So uh, anyway, you can run in flip-flops, but is that the best way? Go check it out. Catch up. uh, Read a couple of chapters. Catch up with us. Whatever, man. Thanks. 
Hey, this is Joshua Charleston, the producer of The Mike Charleston Show. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want to follow us, we're on Facebook at Mike Charleston Show and Instagram at underscore Mike Charleston Show. Please support us on Patreon for exclusive content. This episode is over, but if you want more, check out the website at fellowshipofbelievers.org for more information. The Mike Charleston Show has been brought to you by Fellowship Believers.